dentistry is just a scam. Right. Well, have you ever had dental work? Like, I okay, I, I will qualify this. Sometimes people's teeth are busted, and yeah. like, medically, and there needs to be like surgical dentistry. But that surgery, really, like I think dentists just solve the problems caused by other dentists for the most part. But what I mean. So who was the first dentist then? Is that like original sin? Yeah. Zero. Well, yeah, I mean, the profession didn't exist for a long time, did it? And it, it, was, it was always sort of allied with barbering, wasn't it? Like it's always been the shifty back straight business. Well, it's, well, it's, it's the head arts, isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it troubles me. Like doctors, you know where you are with a doctor – Someone's like, oh, do you know what? I'm going to set out to learn how to fix the human body, and that's noble. Who 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 decides? Oh, I'm I'm going to do that, but just for the rocks in people's mouths. Both my aunt and uncle, for one. Well, this got awkward. <laughs> <laughs> RPS Electronic Wireless Show, Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion, uh, this week. We've got a, uh, a topic that's quite close to my heart. Um, but before we get on to that uh, and move off Nate's surprisingly strong opinions about dentistry. Look, I'm sorry to your uh, aunt and uncle. I know they listen to the podcast avidly. They're big fans. Um, <laughs> I just want to say I respect your profession. I take it all back. Uh, they are ironically is... gnashing their teeth in rage. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Alice Bell, and uh, I am joined, of course, this week by Boulder's mate. <laughs> Hello. Matthew Castle and the Snide Robot. Hello, meatbag. <laughs> Little oh, preview no, for. Not, not the Snide Robot. I'm afraid so. <laughs> oh, curses. How are you both, Matthew and Nate? I am very happy because, as my name suggests, I've been playing some Baldur's Gate 3, which I was really looking forward to and had made quite a lot of videos about uh, back on... Do you remember when I used to make videos for Rock, Paper, Shotgun? Uh, I, nah. <laughs> do you remember that? I, I used to do that. And Didn't you used to play the trombone for us, Yes, that too. Um, but the, uh, yeah, and I was I was a little sad that I wasn't going to get to cover it, but then uh, you kindly asked me to look at it in early access for the site. Uh, so, yeah, I got to delve in for work 
which meant I could be antisocial and play it all weekend without getting told off. Um, and it was a, a jolly good time. Excellent. Did you get and- to play as Goth Belbo from the trailer? Uh, I didn't. No, I I played as well. I played as two characters. Actually, I I always make the same character in RPGs, which is kind of a sort of silver-haired, sort of a youngish-looking chap with silver hair and a silvery moustache, and ideally like a sort of sword sword fighting, and they're kind of like a sort of dandy kind of type. Um, ah, prick. <laughs> yeah, basically, I I play as the the famous prick class in D and D. Um, and, uh, I play that <laughs> the funny thing at the start of Baldur's gate, you, uh, it also asks you to make the object of your affections or yeah. like the love of your life. And I won't say how that comes into it, but I, because I was just like, I just wanted to play the game. I just, <laughs> I, that was, it, it was on a half, there was this like halfling woman, and I just slapped a massive beard on her and then thought nothing of it and carried on. <laughs> and then when that did later come into the game, it really, really made me laugh. <laughs> all of a sudden I was faced with, I was like, what's going on here? Because I'd kind of forgotten about it. Um, <laughs> with Gimli. Um, yeah, like, don't, don't do what I did and, and actually put some thought into that second character too. <laughs> I put no thought into it because I, oh. I played it a bit last night as well. I was just like, yeah, whoever. I, I think it was just like the first woman it generated. I was like, yeah, it's fine. Although I did, uh, I wanted to be like, all right, what? Because it's, I imagine it's some sort of temptation or something that is presented to you or something. Um, so I was like, what is the male version of this sexy kind of pink satin split to the thigh dress going to be? And it's basically the same. <laughs> like he's in like a sexy like split to the hip pink satin tunic with a bit of nip showing Um, i know it's great um nate how are you tell the people about your tank actually did you because i'm back from holiday i was on holiday last week so maybe you told them about the tank last week but nate's making like a a massive triptych fishing tank i don't think i mentioned this last week. no you didn't um yeah, it's definitely good enough for a, for a shout-out. I'm really happy with this. Uh, you can see it on my Twitter, uh, Frog Croakley, getting a plug in there. Uh, but it's like, so it's an, an Amazon River tank, and it's in three parts. So it's, imagine three cubes of decreasing size. And what I've done is I've used Perspex and Silicon Sealant to build a tier into it. So it's got a raised back half, and across that back half, I've used about 40 bits of, like, gnarled old wood. I've glued them together into this big twisting sort of root that looks like it goes through all three tanks. Um, so I've sawed off the edges flat on either side of each bit of glass so it looks like it's continuous. Um, and, yeah, I'm just... Um, tonight, I'm going to finish sticking all the plants on it and, uh, and all that. And I'll get some fishing, but it'll be cool because it looks nice, and it means I can have three different sets of fish in it that might beat each other up or get different <laughs> if I put them together. Nice. But can fish see each other through glass? Will they like look at each other? Yeah, there, there the- will be a certain amount of prison growling. I think. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, glad that you're both well. Um, 
I'm very excited to talk this week because this week basically is the excuse for us to talk a bit about Baldur's Gate 3 as well. Um, but we're going to talk about our um, favorite companions from games. Who are your favorite mates? Um, yeah, uh, we did talk about this off mic and before, uh, uh, Nate arrived. Um, but I didn't realize this, but Baldur's Gate 3, they've only got basically the dicks at the moment in it, in the, uh, cause they've, uh, they've done early access for the, um, the first act of the game basically. And you have six companions, but they're the horrible ones. Is that right, Matthew? <laughs> I believe so. I think they said they were they were focusing on the evil or the kind of the more evil leaning characters companions uh for the early access because they wanted people to test out the evil options because they think in the full game people tend to lean good. So actually for testing purposes um they'll get a bit more sort of mileage out of people kind of they're trying to encourage you to to make the bad decisions so they've given you all the rotters to try and convince you to do that. Yeah. So there's Astarian, who is uh, a vampire thrall, and he... Because for the early access, in the full game, you can choose to play as one of these companion characters, which is what um, is the case in Divinity, Original Sin 1 and 2. But um, for the early access right now, you just make your own custom character. I have made a weird, grubby... Uh, half elf ranger who's kind of a bit of a, a weird loner in my mind um, and uh, so you've got Astarian who's a vampire thrall he's not a full vamp he's a but he does drink blood so you can roll to like try and drink the blood of your companions while they're asleep and stuff like that um, uh, there's Shadowheart who's a half elf cleric who's a bit, a bit stuck up but I wouldn't say she seems evil or like she's, bad when you first meet she's her. She's the, hard, the hardest one to read. So I, on my second character, because my first one got wiped in an update, I had to. Uh, I actually made myself a cleric, but dedicated to the the, the god she hates. So <laughs> the, the, just to see, just to see if the game like acknowledged it, and you do get like dialogue options specific to like you are a cleric of this particular faith. And so every once in a while she's like saloon or I don't always pronounce saloony or salune sucks or whatever. And then I'll be like, no, actually I think she's great. And then she's, she gets all kind of a bit huffy with me, but I haven't, I, I was trying to like draw her out of her shell with some rage. Cause she's, she's kind of the hardest character to get a read on. I think currently anyway, um, but I, I haven't managed to kind of inspire much wrath from her, but I'll get there. Get there eventually. Uh, and then there's... Uh, well, who else Carl, is that? Carlton Hiss. This I, what? Carlton Hiss. Oh, didn't you get that version? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, what's, it, what's his deal again? Well, he's, uh, he's a snake, and so is his twin brother. And... Uh, he uses his twin brother as a whip, only when he gets tired, you mash um, the S button for Snake, and they swap, and Carlton himself becomes the whip. Um, uh, and- I'm just trying to fit in. I'm not cool enough to get sent the uh, the Baldur's Gate. This, yeah, this is uh, is that the the Snake School 
uh, oh, sorry, inspired. that's the thing that Snake School DLC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was um, embargoed. Actually, I'm in big trouble now. Yeah, you get going to get us taken off the air, mate. Um, but there are some good. There's Gale as well, who's like a wizard that has a bomb in his head or something mad. Yeah, hard to tell, but like, like he's because you've all got these tadpoles in your head that are going to turn you into mind flayers. But of everyone I've met, he seems the least concerned about that and more concerned about whatever the deal is with the rest of his body. Um, There's something going on with him, basically. Definitely, yeah. Uh, so there are a few, a few people you meet. Um, I died in like the second. Uh, kind of combat encounter. It was me and Shadowheart were fighting some um, some intellect devourers, which are like, do you know, do you know intellect devourers, Nate? They're like little brains, but like on the body of like a little dog almost. Hang on, are they, are they like mind flayers? Yes, or is oh what? maybe no, they, they, they like... work. They work for the. They like work for the mind flayers. I don't know if the mind flayers make them. I'm not too hot on my law, but I got or the impression. They... The mind flayers, they're basically into brains and that they like some brains they turn into other mind flayers and other ones they seem to turn into these dogs. So I if you're like too bad at maths or saying they're like, oh sorry, pal, you have to be a dog. <laughs> There's like there is like a weird I can't remember the the name of the or, or maybe the intellect devourer is the the brain with legs and then the, the but like their first form is like a little brain. With tentacles that like can't really move around on its own, but like eats other people's brains or something. I can't remember. Horrid but, bunch, a lot of them. Anyway, I immediately died and lost like half an hour's progress because I hadn't quick saved quickly enough. Well, I didn't die. Shadowheart died, but I didn't want to spaff my resurrection scroll on her in like the first hour of playing the game. So I'm not very far in yet, but um. I, uh, there's lots of stuff I am waiting to hear Nate's take on. Like the wizard, uh, they can sort of find a familiar or sort of summon an animal familiar. And once you select that, you get a menu of animals you can select. And one of them is a crab. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> so I think you can summon like imps as well. Imps. I think you can summon like maybe a snake, a bird of some kind. Could you summon multiple crabs? So I, I could just don't. have like a oh, well, you could you could potentially with multiple wizards, yeah. If you had four wizards, you could also probably have four crabs. Because so I want to ro- role play the crab sherpa, <laughs> and this whole thing is just guiding crabs from location to location. I mean, that is the, <laughs> that is the subtitle of the game. It's Baldur's Gate Three: The Crab Sherpa. Ah, oh, yes, that would so. be amazing. Imagine if from the early access they pivoted to it being a crab game. <laughs> A heavy pivot into crab territory. Uh, but it, do you think that uh, the the companions in BG three have the potential to make it onto your to a, a best companions list? Uh, I, I it's always hard to tell because I, I find with a, a lot of my I've been thinking a lot about companions and a lot of my favourite RPG companions. Like a lot of them are people I didn't necessarily like to begin with. And you really have to go through the whole experience with them to kind of, you know, get their vibe and see what they're True. doing. Um, so it's 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 hard to tell. I like Gail because he's quite a, he's quite a friendly kind of charismatic guy, and he's kind of confident. Seems to have his shit together, and he's quite happy to talk to me, which is really key. I don't like uh, grumpy characters that won't deal with me. 
I'm not. I'm not very keen in the it, teasing someone out of their shell arc. Uh, it's not a not a trope I'm drawn to. I'm drawn mm. to it if it's teasing a crab out of its shell. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. yes. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't joke. We lost a hermit crab last night. Oh no! As in death or escape? As in death, the great last. Which is so the shedding was was too much. It was the one who was poorly after shedding. He just finally gave up. But uh, Dwayne Barock Johnson, who's the one with the really fancy shell, uh, was beginning to feast on his carcass last night, so I left him to it. He needs the protein. The circus of life. I'm just going to pretend I didn't say that by accident. Um, the, I, uh, I, I have been enjoying the early access though and I think it's very like I've only done like an hour and a half but I thought the character creation with the um, classes and origins and stuff was really good and I was able to build like a, a ranger that made sense and stuff I'm hoping they add other classes as well because like, I want to make a druid because druids are really OP I, like yeah, I think they I think they are I think there's 12 intended for the final game and yeah and is... more more races and stuff as well I think right because but they've yeah. got like sub races with it so you can be a half elf who's like a high elf half elf or a wood elf there are different like types of dwarf that might appeal to nate that you can be yeah yeah loads of dwarves um but yeah druids get i my uh the last character i rolled for dungeons uh, dungeons and dragons an actual dungeons and dragons game was a um a druid and they're really like bought that they're really kind of a bit rubbish and weak but then as soon as you hit level two they become massively overpowered because you can just turn into any animal <laughs> like up to a certain Ooh. size but that size is massive so like you could just three times a day i think i could just turn into like a bear or like a giant oh, no. spider <laughs> yeah well i've i've seen I've, there's i've seen druids in the game i've seen a druid turn into a bear um Impressive. I also found I don't know what creature this is, but there were basically like loads of. I think they were like hyenas or coyotes or something. They were basically lying on their sides. I thought they were having a nice sunbathe, and then they all started like birthing these like bloody goblins out their stomachs. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> like men started crawling out of them. They were all like, ah, and I, I used like you know pet magic to kind of talk to one of them. And he was like, I'm going to burst. I'm going to burst. <laughs> I was like, oh, what's this about? And then a man came out of him and I had to fight him. And the longer the fight went oh on, God. the more men burst out. It was horrible. <laughs> that sounds hellish. That sounds like, did you did you two watch uh, the terrible BBC adaptation of Dracula that um, Moffat and Thingy wrote? Uh, yeah, yeah. Did anyone burst? He he said so Dracula turns up at the uh, convent and uh, as a wolf dog, and then transforms back into Dracula by crawling out of the the stomach of the dog. Like the dog dies and lies down, and then like just this big naked hairy man like, crawls out. Like that, like that, burst. It's like that bit in Ace Ventura too, where he comes out the rhino. <laughs> It was a, a terrible adaptation. Everyone should watch it and and look in awe at how terrible Moffat is. It's got the Danish Dracula with the strange British accent. 
Yeah, he well, he was good. I thought he was a good Dracula, in fairness. But uh, Moffat should never be allowed near anything ever again. There's a of long history of monsters bursting out of dogs. Now I think about it, because there was the thing, wasn't there? Oh yeah, which famously burst out of a dog. Alien Three bursts out of a dog. Mm. Uh, the only two ladies lock up your dogs. Yeah, that's it. They'll get burst by monsters. <laughs> well, look, we'll probably we'll sprinkle some more BG three chat throughout, maybe because I'm sure people want to hear about Baldur's Gate because um, it is it's in early access, and if you get it now, you will get the full thing. But it is quite a hefty price tag for an early access, um, so it may be that a lot of people aren't going to eight hundred go pounds. It's what hundred pounds. It's nine nine grand. It's, it's, for, it's, it's, it's a bold play from Larian, but one I kind of admire. It's, it's for it's like the, these uh, wolves aren't going to burst themselves. <laughs> if they do one of those, you know how charities do pie charts of where your money goes, and it will be like eighty percent dog bursting because they have to motion capture it. Yeah. Oh God! How um, many dogs they got through doing that? Oh no! That's why they all look so haunted the whole time. <laughs> At what cost? Three. That's why all the press events they drink so much red wine. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but Sorry, we should. Larian, get... We're not implying that you burst <laughs> dogs. <laughs> Oh, no, no, we don't, actually, we would, they, Larian are all thoroughly nice people, and we should probably do a disclosure and say because uh, Adam Smith, who um, used to be me, or I used to be him, possibly, um, is now a so he worked at RPS is what I mean by that. Uh, is now a writer, and he he's written on or in his writing on Baldur's Gate three, and mm-hmm. has even had a conversation with Jeff Keeley on Jeff Keeley's Summer of Games live, whatever it was. So. Uh, disclosure we know adam but um he also detonates an almost unbelievable number of hounds daily um uh but yeah let's let's actually talk about what this podcast is advertised as um also so nate can join in a bit more as well so i i mean we talked about the characters in BG3 currently being the kind of morally grey slash evil ones. And I'm guessing by your name, Nate, that your a favourite companion you're bringing to the table is similar. Yes, that's right. Uh, it's, of course, the mechanical git from Knights of the Old Republic. <laughs> and I don't remember the robot's name because Star Wars robots just have like a letter and a number, but they really were the shit of the old Republic. I really it's, liked them. Uh, HK-47. I thought it was AK-47, but I thought that was a bit on the nose. <laughs> I really... Because that is really interesting what you were saying about the, um, the, the BG-3 stuff luring you into being a git. Uh, I found that in Knights of the Old Republic, I was empowered to go against my usually timid, people-pleasing nature and just be vile because the robot made me believe in myself. For those who haven't played, (laughs) it's like, it's a robot that 
it's the sort of colour of a bronze dog statuette that's languished on a pensioner's mantelpiece. Um, and I forget what the robot's meant to do, like what sort of droid it is. It's an but, assassin droid, so that he's a he's a killer. Oh right, yeah, and it's just fully misanthropic, but really cheerful about it. Like I think it's a really good villain because it's very affable, but it just completely despises living things, and will always just recommend quite lightheartedly that you just do the most appalling things. And I just started thinking, you know what? Yeah, I will. So I found it quite a confidence-building uh, character and just good to be around. It, uh, <laughs> I like the idea that like the homicidal robot, it was kind of like a life coach for you. Yeah, absolutely. It was... Um, <laughs> it, <sighs> yeah, I kind of want to go back and replay that, actually. But I don't know how... Um, I don't know how how well it will have aged with with RPGs I've played since. I I play Knights the every couple of years. I think I replay Knights of the Republic, and I think it has aged very well. There you go. Can, well, excellent. Can you turn him nice in the end, or is he just is he just a, a rancid git from start to finish? I can't really remember. You can't really turn him nice, but I think he can like you. Right. Yeah, I think he makes an exception, doesn't he? He thinks you're all right. He calls you meatbag. That's the thing that the internet likes about he, it, they, HK47. You get called meatbag a lot. But have you seen um, Rogue One? Yeah, I I liked Rogue One. I thought Rogue One was really good, yeah. And the the robot in that is, I think, basically HK47. Oh, the robot in that is amazing. It's just like a giant Alan Tudyk. Um, (laughs) I've been playing, actually, the old um, Star Wars Squad Warns this week. Um, I really like that. Um, And the the reason I mention a flight simulator in this podcast is that really does its best um, because you're flying with a squadron um, throughout the single-player campaign. It tries to invest you in them by having you sort of have chats with them in the hangar in between missions, but it's really weird. There's no RPG elements. Okay. So you just sort of walk up to them silently and then they just speak at you about their backstory for five minutes and dismiss you. (laughs) And it's quite well written, but it's a very odd way of getting to know people and it doesn't quite land. It's, it's, it's It's one of them, Dennis Lawson. Uh... Is the, Dennis Lawson a crocodile man? From the film, the, he was in. He was in the films. He's old now. Um, he was one of the. He was one of like the the kind of co-pilots in 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 the original trilogy. Oh, okay. Uh, hang on, I'm just googling this now, so it looks like I know. Um, I don't know. Uh, he was in Rogue Squadron Two, Rogue Leader. I can tell you that uh, on the Nintendo GameCube. Uh, oh no! Wait, he's, we- he's 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 Wedge. He's Wedge. Oh, if you'd have said he's Wedge Antilles, well, then sorry, then I, I, I forgot. I forgot that iconic name. I used to, it is it is he's like an iconic cat. A salad. Um, 
But yeah, no, I used to be a big fan of the old Star Wars books as a teen, and Wedge had his own series called A Rogue Squadron. Cool. Um, how how did you feel about the retconning of all the old the old expanded universe stuff, Nate? Uh, fine, because I can let the past go, unlike 90% of Star Wars fans. Um, my my brother was in charge of the new Star Wars books when he worked at, uh, as an editor, because uh, his publishing house was like, who knows about Star Wars? And Harry was like, I do, I guess. So he was in charge <laughs> of the uh, the adaptations of the, the novelizations for the... Um, uh, I, the new the films and he said that they they got like their facebook page and stuff just got bombarded daily by angry nerds but he did also say that the uh the books are obviously based on earlier versions of the scripts that um uh, the, the author wrote the book based off of um before they were finalized and filmed and the editing was done on the films so the books are slightly different uh and in a way that is quite interesting he said ah uh. That makes me really want to read them. The original <laughs> Star Wars novelizations were the same, actually. In fact, they were wildly different. I don't think the whole... Um, oh, correct. I might be wrong, but it's something as big as like Luke and Leia d- did just shag. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they weren't family or anything. Um they, they were quite different. So that's really interesting that that tradition has continued. I'm all glad that you added that last bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had, I, I read one, well, actually I didn't even read it. I listened to audio tape of one expanded universe Star Wars novel about 20 years ago. And the only thing I remember about it was there was a bit where Princess Leia wanted to go undercover. And so she picked and she called herself La Leia. <laughs> Which, Which one I remember was thinking that? was a really bad move. <laughs> I remember that being that foolish, but I can't remember. Do you remember what book it was? It was, there was something about like, they had, ki- I think she had kids with Han Solo, maybe. And there was something about, three. Like, yeah. there was something about like a tem- an evil temple where they were being indoctrinated or something. But, you know. What? I, was she like, my name's Lilea, but call me Leia, but definitely not like the princess. Like, <laughs> it's just like, oh, do you call me Lilea? And the other thing I remember about it is it was read, that audio tape was read by the guy who played the uh, the dude who ran the, the insane asylum in, in Silence of the Lambs. Like the guy who kind of like sort of bullies uh, Hannibal Lecter. And I just remember finding it quite quick because he reads it all in a very soft layer voice. He's like, I'm the layer. <laughs> this is this is very odd. Um, so we've gone massively off oh, book no, here. Sorry, I've, I've... Well, the, no, that was my well, fault. I was going to say that um, one of the companions in Squadrons, uh, I think I found my least favourite companion. He's a... He's a a despicable lizard and like he's meant to be like a scoundrel but uh, he's just the most intensely unlikable man who's also a lizard um is he a goodie or a baddie he's a goodie right um but i got to the point of seeking out his dialogue segments because i despised him so you know when you relish hating someone And he's got this voice. He talks like this all the time. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, it, just enduring it became nectar 
so I, he's, yeah, Frisk, he's called. <laughs> Frisk. Absolutely. <laughs> just appalling. Uh, Matthew, do you want to uh, to throw in a, a favourite companion? Cat doesn't have to be from a Larian game. <laughs> uh, well, I was I was going to I was going to throw in uh, Kim Kitsuragi from Disco Elysium, mm. who I think counts as a companion. I'm I'm going to allow. I sorry, I made a noise like a Skeksis there, didn't I? I was like, mm, fling. <laughs> um. I mean, it's a party of two, and he, like, bugs off for, like, a large chunk of it. Um, but I, just as, like, Nate was saying, that the, the kind of evil robot kind of helped him kind of deal with some of the kind of behaviour in, in, in that game. What I really like about Kim is that Disco Elysium is, and this will not surprise you, it's a, it's a little out there for my tastes um, in a lot of its sort of setting and its arguments like you know it's like a constant war between like mega extremes and i am the centrist dad and kim is also like he's sort of also the centrist dad of disco elysium and he's he's like the one sane piece of that world it's like the one thing i could hold on to and go well i know what kim's about and i'm just gonna try and do the stuff to like to sort of uh please him you know he's going to be the kind of my guiding light and and that got me through the game you know in a way that i really enjoyed and i you know the i got the endings or i wanted you know i felt like i was a i i had the best version or the kindest decent version of that character and now i know that means rejecting a lot of the wild excesses that kind of makes disco elysium the exciting thing that it is um but i don't know like i i when I play that game, I sort of, I guess I lean towards companions where I have more in common with them. And, you know, he kind of, I think without him, I would have struggled with the main character a bit more because I found him like really infuriating for the first few hours. Um, but Kim kind of puts him straight. And I really like the bit uh, where uh, Kim goes for a smoke. Here's one cigarette at the end of the day to kind of mull on the day's events. That's really cool. Mm. He's a, did you play any Disco Elysium, Nate? No, it, I, I, I didn't get round to that. Although I keep thinking about it, I, it's, I find it such a big investment this day, this days, uh, to take on a big RPG, and I've still not completed Divinity. I mean, I so they claimed that you know Disco Elysium is quote unquote colossal and is like a hundred hours long. It's really not like. Oh, okay. I, I, I think you could get like forty hours, probably. Oh, I did it in less. Than you that. A, I think I did yeah, like it. In 30, a, I did it in like a solid weekend. I think like thirty, thirty to forty hours. I think if you if you are intent on reading everything in it, because it is very words heavy. And I, I really like Disco Elysium, but I have kind of a slightly antagonist and antagonistic relationship with it at this point because I think it's become for me one of those things where the people who really like it have ruined it for me <laughs> where like sort of like Rick and Morty or oh, like right you yeah. know like the, the people who who like it a lot and have made it part of their personality they like it and and think that because they like it it makes them really smart like I didn't give it a best I reviewed it 
I didn't give it a bestest best, but I said it was a flawed masterpiece. And someone commented saying that I was like a speed reader who didn't understand big words. <laughs> oh, yikes. Um, was, right. and, and it made me really defensive. And I was like, I have a degree in words. <laughs> it's... Um, but I did really like it. And I think I, I did, I really struggled to connect with some of it, I think, because um, it feels in, because I, I, I've thought about it a lot since then. And I think a lot of it feels very masculine. And I don't mean like machismo. I mean, like, it feels a lot like, you know, dealing with sort of masculine identity crises and like being kind of an old, an aging man almost. Mm. Um, and that's obviously something that I don't really should have been think on about. Our dad, dad special. It sounds like a dad yeah. game to me. I think maybe it is because Alec, RPS in peace, I think connected with it on on a sort of a, a sad mm. dad level. Um, but yeah, Kim Kim Kitsuragi is really cool, and I liked him a lot. And he he seemed like the one normal person in the entire that's, world. That's it. And I know that it feels sort of counterintuitive to be like. The thing I like most about this wild game is the one bit that isn't wild, but I think it's really important that he's there because if he wasn't, it's just like everyone's just shouting like a big a political opinion at you the whole time while Kim is is kind of only there to do a job and he's getting on with a job and he gets a bit annoyed with you. He's, you know, he's quite a traditional character in that way. He sort of rolls his eyes at everything you say and, you know, and, and I guess the kind of grudging respect that, you sort of you can develop with him you know is is maybe a, a, a bit cliched but in a game where like very little is cliched that's okay i think a little bit goes a long mm. way um yeah he's just yeah he's a cool a cool guy um i, I he his role is is kind of because because normally like your the player character is your avatar right your anchor in that world but mm. Because the character you play as, he is already a very established character. You just don't know what that is when you start. And because he has amnesia and everything, he he kind of doesn't act like that. And I think maybe Kim is that yeah, for the player instead, almost. Yeah. Though at the same time, because I liked Kim, like, I didn't really care what anyone else thought of me, but I did care what he thought. And it's quite rough for the first few hours because I was like, I'd rather be playing as this guy, but like, I just you just don't have this, you just don't have the stats, or you just don't have the the, the character to kind of really achieve much in the first few hours, and everything you do kind of disappoints him. There's that uh, dreadful, I know, dreadful. I, not it's not bad, but it's just painful scene where you know Kim lets you use his car to like ring the police station. Um, Try, and you try and like find out like your name and you have to explain that you've lost your badge and gun and it's basically like you've had to deliver three terrible bits of news and and with everyone losing respect with you with each piece of information you reveal and each one is treated as a separate strand so you can kind of like maybe succeed in one and wing it with another but like if you blow all of them and he's just standing nearby and you're like oh this is just like I was really worried I'd like lost the game almost um, <laughs> because I've made such a pig's ear of it. And, you know, that's the, that is what's great about that is you do like over the course of it, like pull yourself out of that or you can, if you choose to pursue that route anyway, you can wallow in it if you're a maniac. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a good character. Um, 
I probably couldn't name any of the other characters, to be honest, um, because I, f- I found most of them quite unpleasant. <laughs> here's, here's a little challenge. How many Skyrim companions can you name? Are there Lydia. companions? Lydia. <laughs> Lydia exactly. is just the first one you meet. <laughs> and that's... I mean, I never got another one. She was just traipsing after me for eternity. Well, I, no, I remember Lydia because she she died in a trap quite early on, I think. Yeah. But then I, I like I was haunted by her naked dead body. <laughs> I, I think she <laughs> was re- just she was reduced the, and, to a pile of ash in mine. Well, I just she, turned she, around and there was an ash pile with Lydia on it, and I was like, oh, <laughs> so so she, it I goes. Think Something happened, like, because she got spoked by a spike trap, but she didn't die. She did that thing where they, like, crouch down for a bit and then stand up. I can't remember. Something happened anyway with Lydia where she died. And then, like, she would, I I had a house in um, Whiterun at that point, and she would turn up, like, T-posing around the house or, like, just, like, oh, no. Naked and like on the floor in her room, kind of thing. Like it was very weird. <laughs> was like actually nice. being haunted. Um, I did want to because we'll do. I've got a cavern of lies to do, which we can run through, hopefully quite quickly. It's it's a D and D themed one, um, but I did want to mention uh, Garrus from uh, Mass Effect, who is. One of the all-time greats. He's the ghostest of all time. He's amazing. He's like a, it's like you know, a big bird lizard kind of dog guy. He's so nice. He's just the the best dude. Oh, he's the one with the sort of crunchy face, isn't he? Yeah, and he's with you right from the start through the whole trilogy. He's he Mass Effect Two is one of my favorite games of all time ever. But like Mass Effect Two, with the context of having played. Mass Effect, and there is a scene where you meet Garrus again. That I don't oh, yeah. want to spoil if you haven't played it, but like my friend who had played Mass Effect One and Two before me, um, like he was like, "You have to tell me when this cutscene is about to happen because I want to come in and watch your reaction." Right. And <laughs> the scene where we meet Garrus again, and I was he, I was just so overjoyed and so happy to see him again. It was like he was a real person. Yeah, and that. And there's a scene in Mass Effect 3 uh, where if he's... I can't remember if he can die. I guess he can die in Mass Effect 2. I don't know. I can't remember yeah, who... Everyone can die in the suicide mission. Yeah, yeah they can. So if, if, if Garrus lived in your playthrough, there's a scene in Mass Effect 3 where you... Because you have little moments with everyone and there's a scene where you can have like a shooting competition with him in the Citadel and you can let him win. And I fully believe that anyone who doesn't let Garrus win in in that bit is actually a monster. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I was I was going to put in a little shout uh, for Thane in Mass Effect Two, mm. a green really lizardy good. assassin man. Um, he, he's really good. Yeah, he's very grown up. And again, I got very attached to him. But then I think he got dealt a really shit hand in. Mass Effect 3, because he's basically in a hospital bed for the whole thing. And you're like, oh, great. You know, because after Mass Effect 2 did such a good job of reintroducing some characters that you loved in Mass Effect 1, 
in like really interesting and cool ways, like you said. I thought they were going to do the trick again in Mass Effect 3. So I was like, can't wait to see what they do with Thane. And it turns out he's just like dying very painfully in a hospital. (laughs) And you're like, oh, oh, great, rad. (laughs) Hey, 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 Thane. (laughs) Hey, buddy. (laughs) Uh, I, I think everyone has a character from the Mass Effect series that they really connected with more than others because you get some people who are just really fans of Morden and his his uh, yeah. Gilbert and Sullivan and you know I, some I, people who... I find that a lot of a lot of RPGs tend to have a character I, I don't know what the right name for that kind of trope is but it's kind of the it's like the ultra intelligent very cold emotionally character who like warms up and is quite eccentric as that is his arc is like the, the genius works out how to be human. And I always worry it's a little bit like pandering to kind of RPG fans. It's like, this is kind of you, you know, like you're the guy who's super smart, smarter than everyone. And this is, they turn out to be like a legend in some way. And I'm always a, like the um, elf in Dragon Age Inquisition's a bit like that as well. Solus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, up until. Well, listen, don't get me started on the egg, man. <laughs> But the kind, you know what I mean. Like those characters who are just sort of like the hmm, <laughs> yeah. And, and people use them as their like avatars on websites and things because you're like, yeah, yeah right. Well, I, I, it's always it's sort of like they try and neg your character into wanting to be their friend, isn't it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but whereas, like, jokes on you, mate. I'm doing this because I, uh, if you like me enough, there'll be a buff when you go into combat or whatever. Oh, yeah. You know, like. literally it. I'm just. I want. I want to be everyone's friend. I always think like that's in Mass Effect Two, particularly. I think it is a little bit too easy to be everyone's friend. Still, like it never. Yeah. It never really feels like you know. Even like the there's that sort of psychotic sort of um, experimental subject character. Um, is it Jack? Jack. Yeah, she's Jack, awesome. and she hates the kind of corporate woman. Um, Miranda. Liara. No, not Liara. Miranda. Um, Miranda, yeah. And, but even that, you know, you can basically get them both to a point where they are r- romanceable things, even though they hate each other. And you think, should this really work? Like, it, it feels like something should be absolutely like one or the other in that world. But, um, oh, yeah. Like, my, in many RPGs, my character has no moral core whatsoever. Like, I, I will say anything to anyone to get them to like me. But it is harder in like, I mean, you mentioned um, Dragon Age, in Dragon Age 2 and, and in Inquisition, it, it basically like your companions will find out <laughs> in that moment when you do something that, so even if they're not in your party and they don't see it happen, they will disapprove or approve of actions you take that are in line with their right. their like worldview that's but Baldur's Gate three is already doing that because you already have more companions in early access than you can have in your party, and you can do stuff, and you're like, you weren't even there. How can you disapprove of me? Like, yeah, but they talk. You weren't there, man. You don't know what happened. Like, I can explain this. I actually like even in in, in my first ten hours, um, I did get to a point where I returned, and what what we'd been up to had caused a conflict in the camp, and it led to one of the companions dying. Um, on some unlucky dice rolls. So I, I feel like actually 
Borders Gate 3 maybe is going to be a bit more ruthless with that, maybe like force that to happen. Yeah, because Nate, you need to do like a dwarf run, all dwarf all the time. Oh, if that's possible, I'm in for it. That would be really, really fun. I've, um, I've just been looking, you know, there is, um, how do I put this? There's a lot of fan art of Garrus out there, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, like a lot. <laughs> yeah, is it spicy? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's really spicy. I've closed my browser. You're, you're probably on some kind of list now. It's on yeah. there forever. That was, um, I won't unsee that. I, very quick quick shout out. I don't like the one. Who's that sort of one who's basically a vacuum cleaner with a, with <laughs> in Mass Effect? She looks like a Dyson. Oh, Edie. No, no, no. She's in the first one. She's like, they're like refugees who live in oh, like. Me, oh, yeah. Um, tally, Tally. tally oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Like, I just couldn't get past that weird visor. Like, you're like, what's going on under there? Who like, knows? What, are you afraid of motorcyclists as well? Um, I don't. Well, I don't try and romance them as a rule, <laughs> um, like in the street. But I, I never, I never like, I never like that character. I'm just going to say I love the lizard off of um, uh, Divinity Original Sin too. Oh, Makes yeah. up for the lizard in uh, in the in Squadrons. Red Prince. Yeah, what major a league. Oh, good lizard. Yeah, both of those things. I'd die for him. Uh, excellent. Um, let's see if we can very quickly rattle through a, a couple of lies that I've prepared for you. Do you want, look here, the door, it's a oh. it's it's dungeony. Oh. You've done the sting wrong, Nate. <laughs> Oh. I do the door. Sorry, I've, I've been really shaken by Karis's knob. <laughs> <laughs> so Can shaken, we... you thought you were the door to the cavern. I thought I was the door. Oh. oh, sorry. Can we do it again, please? I love this thing. Yeah, all right. E- the cavern of lies. Uh, I expect a lot of people have been shaken by Garrus's knob. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness. Um, So this week we're in, it's, it's the most cavern-y cavern you've ever seen. It's, it's an Ur cavern. It's, it's dripping. There are strange glowing mushrooms. Have around you done the back of it on graph paper. I have. Oh, nice. Yeah, there's. You can t- tell your movement speed based on a number, like the squares that are a meter square that you can cross. And uh, there's there's lots of cobwebs and stuff. But yes, it's a dungeon more than a cavern this week, perhaps. Um, building work in the background. Yeah, that's the. Yeah, orcs. They're building that's... a new torture pillar. Oh, yeah. right. Nice. Yeah. So, sorry, everyone that's outside my window. <laughs> I have got all the windows closed. But um, So I'm going to do a, a variant of, do you remember what I, I made up a tie-in 
movie tie-in games and 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 I lied and they were all real. Um yeah. so this week I I've got five monsters from Dungeons and Dragons. And one of them is untrue and and it's this week it is there is there is actually a joker in the pack like one of them is made up. Okay. Okay. So I'm not going to cheat you again. But these are some some classic Dungeons and Dragons monsters. And you need to tell me if you think well you need to you need to figure out which one is the the ulala uh ulala amongst the nice nice um are you prepared we'll try nice. and nice yeah we're going to try and whip through this hang on let me just um, drink this potion of um of uh of bullshit <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm ready okay uh right so we're going to start with, oh, which one? Okay. Uh, let's start with uh, black pudding. So black pudding is, they're about, about 15 feet across. And they're basically just a big pile of, of black goo that can sort of flatten themselves out. Um, and sort of disguise themselves as, as sort of like a shadow in a dungeon, and it's or called a black components pudding. of a fried breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so what was that, Matthew? I, I, sorry, I was just making sure you, I didn't mishear that you said it was called black pudding. Yeah, black pudding. Uh, it's challenge rating four. This is based on the fifth fifth edition rules, um, and it it basically like it it will just glom on to people. And and just mm. can constrict its prey. More like um, bullshit rating for. <laughs> no, I uh, think it's. I suspect it was named by someone who'd never encountered the popular treat, black pudding. But pudding well, isn't. A, isn't a, it has no evil connotations. Pudding is only a force for good. <laughs> no, I'm just. This is all. It's all fifth Edward. It's so. They're they're not like uh, hu- hugely like intelligent. They use heat um, to sense their uh, their prey and, and stuff like that. Um, well, hang on, you just slipped in. This was fifth ed. This isn't even some like seventies bullshit. Well, it's been in it since first ed, but this is based but on the fifth ed rules. Is this a breed um, of monster, or is it one monster that is called black pudding? You know, like no, no. It's a, a, you, there are more than one. Oh, so you can get okay. it is a. It, it's a, I can yeah, understand it's a if it was like a nicknamed, like, oh, that'd be Black Pudding, you know? Um, but no, they no. are uh, Black Puddings. Mm. So that's, that's, that's your first, your first okay. boy. Um, then we'll go with uh, the Dragon Turtle, which is a huge, like, ship-sized turtle related to dragons. Um, they're challenge rating 17. They're massive. Um, like properly huge, um, they're they're aggressive and and solitary. Some of them are like of human intelligence and do sort of like smaug. They become like you know local kind of characters. Uh, one of them established a protection racket uh, mm. around well, the Sea of Swords. God, dragons are always such grifters, aren't they? Yeah, well, uh, and turtle dragons—they don't breathe fire, but they do shoot steam. Um, 
so that it's just basically just a really big turtle. Um, the things live on them, like sit on them. Don't know. I suppose they could, depending on how imaginative your your DM is. Well, I mean, these exist in, um, you know, in in history. Well, not the turtles, but stories about them, and like you know, ships landing on islands that then sink because lol, they're turtles. And it is quite D and D to just steal yeah. monsters from old stories. Yeah, I mean, I, I like D and D. The monster manual. There's, there's a lot of stuff in D and D that is very like I've never even read Lord of the Rings. Like there are big like uh, <laughs> sentient trees that are called like tr- triants. <laughs> yeah, like. Mm. I know. I think dragon turtle sounds pretty pretty legit. Actually. Yeah, that sounds legit to me. Okay. Uh, well, okay. Uh, what about there's the uh, an amiable fungus. Um, which is a, a, a an offshoot. There are quite a few kind of large funguses um, that can sort of walk around, sort of like how um, mollusks kind of move around when the tide goes out. Um, it, they're sort of human-sized mushrooms, um, but the uh, the unamiable fungus is uh, notable because, like the dragon turtle, it does have um, a level of intelligence. It can be. It can vary. Um, but they're, they're noted for being, um, their evil alignment and they can be challenge rating up up to like, depending on their size, they can be challenge rating four. Um, Mm. they are sometimes DMs will use them to be like sort of fun kind of characters in like the subterranean dungeons or the underdark. They could be like a kind of a merchant if you know, your, your, your party kind of need, uh, uh, they, a little refresh, huh? What are they called again? Uh, well, their 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 breed is like the the unamiable fungus, but you can give them like names. There can be like, see, I th- you know, I think societies. I think there are. I know I'm not I'm not D and D savvy at all, but like there are mushroom men in Baldur's Gate three, and they're not called amiable fungus. Well, neither are these. They're called unamiable. Unamiable. Oh, I thought you were saying unamiable fungus. No, no, because they are as a race, they are evil aligned. But they, some of them, because they have, because they can have a level of intelligence. I don't know Um, if you've taken something which exists and given it a goofy name to turn it into a lie. No, Um, unamiable fungus. Like, well, that sounds like D and D naming. You could have just called it like a bad mushroom, but. (laughs) Putting, you know, getting the thesaurus out makes it sound more sort of old world and strange. I've never mm-hmm. even been to Middle Earth. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a disagreeable uh, mushroom. <laughs> with your black pudding, Mr. Baggins. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, f- uh, the flump. Oh, they fuck. are. <laughs> <laughs> go on the flump is a basically like a um a jellyfish but on land kind of so they they're a sort of flat saucer shape um about kind of the shoulder width 
um, and they float because they have an innate anti-gravity field and they move, air, uh, they move using air jets. Anti-gravity uh, in fantasy? Well I, d- well, I don't know what like the wizards would call it. Like, <laughs> it's fine, cool, probably. They mad. They have they magical flyers. I don't know. Um, and their name comes from the sound that their air jets make when they move. Um, they can come in different colors, and they sort of are mood rings because they they change color depending on how they feel. Um, mm. They are in contrast to the unamiable mushroom. Unamiable fungus, sorry, the bad mushroom, the unamiable fungus. Um, These are good, so they're all good aligned. And actually, if they hear evil things or have bad thoughts, they are compelled to to say them to the next good person they can find to kind of cleanse themselves of it. (laughs) So you could be walking around the wilderness bump into this thing and it can just deliver some like vile thought it heard several hours ago. Well, only if you're all good aligned as well, because it feels, you know, I don't know. It'll just spout. Mm. Just like a yeah. racist carrier bag floating out of the trees. No, no, because they're, well, they're telepathic. Um, so they're very sensitive to evil thoughts. And then they they need to share them to with another good aligned creature to wash the thoughts away because they want to stay that, good. It's a, bit, it's a bit like people when people like retweet stuff they really hate on twitter yeah is it like retweeting katie hopkins yeah basically yeah to go like isn't she awful Uh, but mm. also they um flumps glow red in anger at evil thoughts as well so they're sort of canary in a coal mine if there are evil monsters nearby as well this is a very complicated creature I mean, if you've come up with them, I'm genuinely delighted for you because it's really imaginative. <laughs> um, uh, I, I feel like it might, you might have gone to a few too many jars at the pick and mix, though. <laughs> let's, let's see what else um, we've got. Okay, well, the last one is the rug of smothering, which is... Oh, right, here we go. Better than which the is, smug of rothering. The rug of smothering. Which is uh, uh, identical in appearance to a rug, but uh, but instead of like being a magic flying rug, it's a rug that will just smother you. <laughs> That's it. So it like does a mobster's work for them. Yes, yeah. It, easy to dispose of a body with a a rug of oh. smothering. Can it, can it just be a? Can it just be used as a rug? Like, would an evil person just have this as furnishing? I don't think so, because they don't really... I don't think they, they're smart enough to, like, distinguish between... I don't think they have friends or foe, you know, they just have people they'll eat, which is everyone. But do they know to try and, like... Do they, like, hide in domestic settings? Like, if you find a rug in a forest, you'd be like, hmm, seems, seems yeah, sketchy. Yeah, I mean, I think they usually... they. They're they're in like dungeons and stuff, and it's like, oh, there's mm-hmm. a you know you're in a, a there's an old rug on the floor and some some shelves with you know mouldering books on the side, and then maybe if you because these are fifth ed only they're new, um, so maybe if you're a clever player you'd be like a rug I poke it like I don't know I think that that one, that seems like slightly duff enough to be real I think, well that's that's all fine so we've got. We've got the rug of smothering in reverse order. We've got the rug of smothering, the flump, uh, the unamiable uh, fungus, 
the which one did I do? The dra- the dragon turtle and the uh, the black pudding. Mm. The flump smells odd to me. Mind you, oh, the dragon turtle is so that could be night bite. <laughs> I'm I'm just going to make you imagine that one gif of Tom Hardy in Mad Max looking foreboding as he wags his finger out the car windscreen, saying that's bite. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon, Matthew? I, I'm leaning towards the unamiable fungus because I think that's something else and you've you've tweaked it into into nonsense. No, because that would be highly controversial, taking a real creature and just changing the name. <laughs> well, listen, in the cavern of lies, anything is, is permitted. I, I will could... say, yeah, uh, nothing is true, everything is permitted in the cavern of lies. So <laughs> everything is permitted. But yeah. I wouldn't respect that as a lie. That was like, you know, if I described, if we did a thing on, I don't know, TV shows and I was to describe Breaking Bad and then said it was called Chemistry Man. (laughs) (laughs) But I think I'd have identified that as a a clear Breaking Bad (laughs) ripoff. That is true. That is true. Oh. I mean. The rug's real. The pudding's definitely real. I mean, that's just garbage, isn't it? (laughs) God, I hope nobody's ever worked on Dungeons and Dragons is listening to this. Well, I mean, look, it just wasn't their best work. Uh, monster manuals don't fill themselves, and True, there's always yeah. runs, you know. It's forgivable, but it, it's, it's, it's pathetic. You're not telling me the owlbear wasn't made up on, like, a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> Shut up, owlbears are the best things ever. That would be the thing I turn into, definitely. I basically look like one. Well, look, I'm going to have to rush you. Flumps. Okay. Well, Matthew, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with unamiable mushroom. <laughs> oh, so a split decision this week. Oh no, the parties are split in the cavern. Will be divided easy. the party. Yeah. Uh. Well. I have to say that uh, Nate. Nice. The flump is real. Oh. And in fact, uh, but but you you've wandered off into the dark. But luckily, there is a kindly flump there, glowing, who's going to lead you back to the to the to the door. But out um, no, some you... ancient racist thought. Does the flump <laughs> tell me what the lie is? Uh, and Matthew, ooh la la, yes! did make up the unamiable yes! fungus. No way. It's not consciously a reskin of something, but like I haven't got a monster manual in front of me, so there probably is a talking mushroom in there somewhere. I don't know. Yes! But, uh, oh, that was good. But you weren't scared off by the large mushrooms growing around the treasure chest, and this week, you, Matthew, have got a ring of truthiness. Yes. That gives you a a plus one in your next Cavern of Lies encounter. As long as it doesn't force me to speak the truth, because that would be difficult or hilarious if you've seen Liar Liar. (laughs) Nice recommendation. (laughs) 
Uh, we're running long again this week. We we talked too much about Baldur's Gate, but uh, it remains uh, for us to do recommendations. Um, so, Matthew, do you have something to recommend to the good listener this week? Uh, I can I can I recommend Brendy's podcast? Yeah, why not? I am going to recommend a podcast that has been launched, I think, right now uh, by ex uh, uh, RPS bud uh, Brendan Caldwell. Brendy has uh, he's launched a podcast called called Hey Lesson, and it is each episode looks at a game and then digs into the kind of uh, sort of science, fact or fiction behind one of its ideas and he talks to an expert about the idea and then he talks to someone who knows the game really well uh and kind of mixes the two together and so it's sort of an analysis of of like learning about not the, the science behind the games but whether the ideas hold up um i he's he's done a batch of three i did i did one of them i did an episode about death stranding uh where we talked about the psychology of likes because in the game you like things that other people have built and about how you are psychologically driven for approval and it sort of branches out into some social network thinking. Um, it was really fun to do. Uh, Brendy is obviously a lovely, lovely man. And um, one of the other episodes is about uh, whether the animals you find in the cave in Spelunky 2 could actually survive in a cave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Very good. So he asked a scientist whether a pug would survive in a cave. Um, uh, that's, I believe it's heylesson.net um, is the link to it. And he's probably going to be doing a Patreon for that as well. Uh, and yeah, go and support it because Brendy's cool and the episodes are good. That sounds amazing. I'd seen him teasing that he was doing something. I didn't know he'd announced it. That's so cool. That's Nate Bay, isn't it? Could a yeah. pug survive in a cave? Obviously not. <laughs> uh nate do you have a recommendation this week uh your recommendation for the rps fish tank of the week uh is invest uh, invest in some perspex sheets and silicon sealant um so you can do like what i did and make some internal structuring uh because it means you save a lot of soil and stuff and you make it more stable and uh, when you're done with the tank and you want to rescape it, just get a bit of silicon sealant remover and it will be like none of it had ever happened. Nice. Nice. Uh, cool. Um, do you have a, a non-fish tank related one or are we sticking with the fish tanks this week? I you don't have to. St- stick with fish tanks. I always uh, I find it find it very difficult, this bit. No fair play. I've got. I couldn't decide between a book recommendation and a music recommendation this week. Which one do you think I should do? I, oh, music. I pref- oh, I say I always prefer book recommendations, but I, I can do both quite easily. Um, so this week, uh, I discovered a, a band called Red Rum Club uh, because I wanted to look up a song called Eleanor and not by the Beatles, and uh, they have done one called Eleanor and I, I listened to it accidentally and I really enjoyed it uh so they've got an album out now um called The Hollow of Humdrum it is only £4.99 but it's also on streaming things like Spotify if you want to check it out first and they're sort of like if 
so from Liverpool and they're sort of like their their music sounds a bit like if the Arctic Monkeys were less depressed and had one mariachi trumpet player. Um, uh, and the, their songs are very upbeat and fun. And uh, I am enjoying the album very much. And uh book recommendation is uh, Piranesi by Susanna Clark, which I read last week on me holidays. It's quite uh, a quick read. Um, Susanna Clark wrote Jonathan Norrell and Mr. Strange or Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, whichever way around it is. Um, and this one is about um, Piranesi is kind of uh, the only inhabitant of a huge uh, and infinite series of halls that are full of strange statues. And he he lives there and he fishes in the lower halls, which are all flooded. And sometimes he climbs up to higher halls where the clouds are kind of peeking through and stuff. And uh, But then he sort of starts discovering that there's something weird going on and and he's maybe not who he thought he was and who there's another guy that he runs into in the halls as well. And it's very, very good and very strange, um, but a very good little magical realism story that I would recommend. Mm. There you go. One for both. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I said that as if I wrote it. Uh, So I think that's everything this week. Uh, Thank you for joining me, Baldur's Mate. No, thank you for having me. Matthew Castle uh, and the Snide Robot. It was pure suffering, meatbag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. This has been episode 112, I think, of the Electronic Wireless show, uh, the best companion special, an excuse to talk about Baldur's Gate 3. And uh, it's the the Rock, Paper, Shotgun PC gaming podcast, the only podcast you need, in my opinion, which is the best opinion. Um we are on Twitter at Rock Paper Shot. We're on Facebook as well. Um, we have a YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Rock Paper Shotgun. Um, we have a merch store, which is, uh, I believe, I get this wrong every week, teespring.com forward slash store forward slash Rock Paper Shot. Gun, maybe? I'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> we have merch anyway. Uh, we have Discord, uh, which is super fun. We have... Uh, loads of things but most importantly we have a website which is www.rockpapershotgun.com uh thank you very much for listening tell your friends tweet about us with the hashtag uh fat blood and hashtag big oats so people know so people know you're talking about the rock paper shotgun podcast and we will see you again next week say goodbye to everyone boulders mate goodbye say goodbye to everyone the snide robot error And goodbye from me. Bye.